0: being a stylist has never been more rewarding but it's also never been so complex as hairstylists we often forget that we are working in a multi-billion dollar industry The beauty industry is growing faster than ever, and there's so much left on the table because stylists aren't taking the time to understand business. I'm Melissa, your host. I'm a million-dollar salon owner, a six-figure stylist, and founder and CEO of Sierra and Sage Extensions. And while all of that may sound impressive, I'm just a hairstylist, just like you. And I'm here to help you understand how to achieve the same by bringing business to beauty back to bringing business to beauty. We are on season one, episode four. Um, today we're going to continue talking about salon ownership. I'm actually really excited about this episode. Um, I remember back when I was opening my salon, um, I just kept telling myself and everyone that I knew that there should be some sort of a crash course, uh, for opening a business because there's so much that you need to do before you can actually start operating. And to be completely honest with you, there was a lot of shit that I just straight up didn't do because I didn't know I was supposed to. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to spend today's episode kind of giving you a little crash course on getting your salon started. Um, So let's hop right into it. Okay, so hopefully if you're listening to this episode, it's because you've decided that you want to open your very own salon, Um, but you're kind of wondering, now what? Um, Obviously, the first thing on the list is to find a location for your salon. Um, This one can be pretty tricky because a commercial lease agreement is nothing like a residential lease. Uh, First things first, you're likely going to need to sign a five-year lease. Um, So be prepared for that. Make sure that you can see yourself in that space for at least five years because breaking a commercial lease is difficult and costly. Um, Also, pay attention to growth opportunities in that space. Um, For example, is there room to expand Maybe there's like a suite next door that you can potentially open up a wall um, or maybe even a larger suite in that same complex that you might be able to move to if you outgrow the location you're looking at. Um, Maybe your space has like an unfinished basement that you can eventually turn into more salon square footage. Um, These are things you definitely want to pay attention to because you might grow quicker than you think. Um, That was definitely my story, and thankfully, I was able to expand into the suite next to mine at my original location before I moved to my current one. Um, But also, the other thing I would recommend, depending on your market and where you're at, is definitely pay attention to things like parking, um, neighboring businesses. Like, what type of businesses are you going to be surrounded by? Who are their customers? Um, Is that going to be a benefit to you, or is that going to be a problem for you, Um, And then also having easy access to public transit um, if you're in a city who utilizes that often, um, being on a main route for that would definitely be a wise idea. Okay, so when you find the right location, you're going to have to submit a letter of intent. Um, A simple Google search will honestly help you lay this out um and then you'll just kind of add in your specifics and make it sound really authentic to you and your business. Um I would definitely recommend taking your time on this. Uh definitely don't be afraid to try and negotiate the terms that are listed. Um I have actually had excellent luck negotiating all of my commercial leases. Um in total I have done 4 of them. Um, and I negotiated every single one of them. Um I generally go in asking for lower rent for at least the first year or even the first two years um, while I establish the business, and then I'll jump up from there. Uh, I'm also lucky enough to have a lot of family that works in construction, um, and they've always been really willing to help me with build-out expenses um, and the work itself. They'll do the work for me. Um, If you have any ability to do some of the work yourself, uh, you should definitely voice that and use it as bargaining power. Even if it's as simple as painting the walls or refinishing the floors, whatever the situation may be, anything that you're willing to go in and do the work um, and buy the material for, you can then start to negotiate how much you're willing to pay because now you're putting some investment into the building. Um, If you are expecting the owner of the building to cover the entire cost of the build-out and hire out the people to do it... Um, just know that your lease terms are going to be much stricter and you also need to understand that you're going to have a lot less bargaining power, um, in regards to things like the lease rates, the terms, um, all of that. The more that they have to invest in order to put your business in that space, the more that they are going to want out of you. I will also say that some building owners are going to be pretty intense, Uh, They're definitely going to want to see bank statements, um, obviously credit history. Uh, Some of them will even ask for like a business plan. Um, But I do want to kind of touch on that. A business plan doesn't have to be extremely detailed. It can just be something typed out on Google Docs. Um, Create a little spreadsheet with your growth plans and potential income. Um, Don't spend too much time overthinking this if it's requested of you. And definitely don't let it be a reason that you give up on the location you want. Um, just kind of get in there, do a little bit of research, and, and throw something together. Usually it's going to be sufficient enough. They just want to know that, like, you've taken the time to actually think about why you're opening this business and where you want to take it. Um, and then on the flip side of that, other owners will keep shit super casual. They'll just hand over the keys. Um, it really just depends on who you're dealing with. One thing that all commercial leases are going to have in common, uh, no matter how chill the owner of the building is, um, you are going to have a lease that you have to sign. Um, If you have access to an attorney, I would highly recommend having them read over your lease agreement. Um, Usually they're written by another lawyer um, that the owner of the building has hired out. They're like 95 pages long with all this lawyer talk. Um, And a lot of them can actually be super sketch. Um, So one time I had a lease um, that squeezed in a personal guarantee that was not mentioned to me. So I'm super glad I had it uh, looked at by my attorney. Um, But basically, a personal guarantee states that if your business fails or closes um, or something happens, you're unable to pay the rent, Uh, The owner of the building can actually sue you personally and seize your personal assets. Um, So things like your home, personal bank accounts, etc. So definitely avoid a personal guarantee if at all possible. Um, For that specific lease, I actually was not able to remove it and I really wanted the space, but I was able to negotiate it. So what I did is I actually negotiated it to where the personal guarantee tapered off as the years went on. Um, So for example, I was responsible for a percentage uh, year one through year two, and then year three through year four, that percentage went down, and then year five, that percentage was gone. Um, So by year five, I no longer had a personal guarantee on the space, if that makes sense. Um, So I would definitely recommend negotiating that or trying to get it removed if at all possible. Okay, the last thing I want to touch on with leases um, is the different types of commercial leases. Um, So there's three that are pretty common, um, triple net, gross lease, and I think modified gross lease. Um, The most common one in the U.S. anyway is actually going to be the triple net. Um, The building owner essentially is going to charge you less for rent Um, So, you're going to pay like one total amount per month, and then it's going to be itemized for the actual lease itself. So, that number is going to be lower, but then they're adding um, additional monthly fees. Uh, They also call them CAMs um, for things that uh, they're paying for. So, things like water, insurance, taxes, they're actually passing those charges on to you as the tenant. Um, So... I mean, that one's good and bad. That's what I'm on. Um, The good thing about it is if the landlord's expenses um, are actually under what they've charged you for the year, they will actually give you a refund for what they didn't spend. Um, I wouldn't count on that, though. It never happens. They definitely spend every penny they've got. Um, The next lease type is going to be gross lease. Um, This means you're paying a set amount per month, um, and it is itemized just as rent. So you don't have another itemization on your monthly rent invoice that says CAMS, it just says rent. But they've included the cost of all of those expenses in that number, Um, so in that case your rent may be higher. Um, The last type is modified gross lease. Um, It's probably the most favorable one um, for a tenant, but I would say it's damn near impossible to come by these days. Um, Essentially, it means that you pay one price for everything and the price will never fluctuate for the entirety of the lease. So even if like their property taxes go up or the cost of water goes up or trash or whatever it is that they're paying for, they can't come to you and say, hey, our expenses went up, so now so do yours. So if you happen to find a landlord who's willing to do that lease type, um, consider yourself lucky. Um, I actually do want to say one more thing about the lease. Uh, Make sure that whatever rent you are signing up for, you can afford it on your own. Um, Don't ever get yourself in a situation, especially when you're first starting out, where you are depending on others to cover that expense. Um, Financial desperation is not a fun place to be. I've definitely been there. Um, It basically is usually followed by very poor decisions. Um, You essentially lose all control of your business and what you really want when you have financial desperation. Um, So make sure you can afford it. Just know that you can always grow um, as the business is more established and things kind of start to change. Um, But don't get yourself in a situation where you are just doing whatever you need to to keep the place open. Um, it's, it's just not a fun place to be. I've, I've been there. I don't ever want to go back there. Okay, so let's move on from the lease stuff. Um, so basically, now you have your location. You've negotiated and signed your lease. Uh, maybe you're even under construction. Um, so now, what should you be working on? Um, basically, what comes next is going to be all of your licensing and your back-end operations. So in short, you're going to need to do things like set up bank accounts, Um, but in order to open business accounts, you first have to apply for your business license with your state, and then you also have to apply for your EIN from the IRS. Um, So let's run through the different types of licenses really quickly, because there are a few different options that you can choose. Okay, the first business license type is going to be a sole proprietorship. Um, This is the cheapest license type, and it essentially means that you as an individual are claiming ownership of the business. Um, I would say be weary because it also means that if Sue Happy Susie comes into your salon, uh, she slips and she falls and decides to sue you, then she can actually come after your personal assets because you did not separate yourself from your business. Um, So for that reason, I stay away from this type of license personally. The next license type is going to be a general partnership. This is basically the same thing as a sole proprietorship. Uh, The only difference is it's going to list two or more people as owners. Um, But again, your personal assets are not protected. And the third most common license type is going to be an LLC or a limited liability company. Um, This is my go-to personally. There are several uh, sections under an LLC that you can do Um, if you listened to our podcast, I think it was episode two, um, the one where I talked about taxes, you might recall, um, that I said, I prefer an LLC. Um, and then I also file a sub S corp through the IRS. Um, it's free to file the S corp. Basically in short, it allows you to be an actual employee of your business. um, and it saves you huge on self-employment tax. Um, An LLC license is going to cost you more, but it does separate you from your business in regards to liability. Um, In my opinion, that's the best place to be. If you're going to lose your business over a lawsuit or just hard times, you really don't want to lose your personal assets on top of it. Um, So you can take that protection a step further as well, and you can actually homestead your house if you own one, um, which will make it completely untouchable from any business liability. Um, I'm not going to get into that too much, but Google it. It's a no-brainer. Again, it's called homesteading your home. Um, So basically, you pick which license type you want. uh, You go online or to your state office, and you file for a state business license. Once you have your state business license, you can hop over to the IRS website, do it all online, and apply for an EIN. Um, It's really that simple. You're officially a legit business after this. Um, as far as the state is concerned anyway, but there is still more work to be done before you can actually operate. however, um, because you have your state license and your EIN, you can now open a bank account in the business name um, so that would be your next move um, also I want to touch on this because I feel like not a lot of people know this um, <clears throat> I definitely didn't know this for a long time it's kind of embarrassing but Um, Your business actually has its own credit score completely separate from you. So your EIN is essentially your business's social security number. So you can use this number to apply for credit, to apply for loans, credit cards, um, things like that, and it has absolutely no effect on your personal credit scores whatsoever. Okay, so the next thing on the list, after you have established your state license, your EIN... And your bank accounts or credit accounts, whatever you've chosen to do, um, then you have to get licensed at the city level. Um, So depending on your city, this license usually isn't super expensive. Um, It's generally based on gross income for the year. Um, So as your business grows and you start making more money, the expense of this license gets higher and higher. Um, But in the beginning, you're brand new, you don't have any profit, um, and so you are at the lowest price point. Um, you will likely need your location inspected by the city as well before they will actually issue you the license. Um, So plan for that, and then your build-out will actually need to be completed before they will inspect. Um, So make sure your timelines are matching up for that. Um, Depending on Your state, they might ask you to file a fictitious name. Um, I still am confused as to why or what this is, but my state requires it, so I do it. It's like 10 bucks; It's not a big deal, Um, and it lasts for quite a few years, and then you can re-register it. Essentially, I think states that no one else in your city can use your name, Um, like the name of your business is yours. But don't quote me on that because, like I said, I'm still slightly confused about that. Um, Now, because you're a salon, you're also going to need to get an establishment license from your state board of cosmetology office. Um, They will also want to inspect your location once your build-out is complete. So again, make sure that your timeline is working for that. Um, And then lastly, if you are selling retail in your salon, you're going to need to go visit your uh, state sales tax office and register for a resale license. Basically, this will allow you to purchase your retail items without paying tax, but it also requires you to collect sales tax um, and pay that sales tax that you collect back to the taxation department. Um, These bills are usually due like quarterly or monthly. I think it depends on your sales volume, Um, but make sure you set that money aside every single week. Um, What I do is I run a report of how much retail was sold and then I transfer um, that sales tax amount that we collected into my tax account, which I also talked about in episode two, having a separate account. Um, But long story short, make sure you have that money set aside so that you have it when you need to pay it, um, especially in the beginning when things are rocky and there isn't always a lot of money coming in. Um, Trust me, you do not want to get behind on your sales tax. Um, The sales tax department, they're like little fucking demons when you owe them money. So pay them when you owe them. They don't want to have to come after you, but when they do, they're like a legitimate enemy. All right. So I think I've covered everything I wanted to in this episode. Um, I really wish my past self could have listened to this because I literally operated without proper licensing uh, for longer than I'm going to admit to you. Um, And I definitely paid the price for it. Um, But I did learn. Um, I learned the hard way and now I'm happy that I can share it with you. Um, so yeah, basically, as you can see, opening a salon really comes with a long to-do list. Um, and everything has like these high pressure deadlines, um, and everything needs to time out just right. And it won't just know that it won't and just roll with it. Um, but just know that when you do things wrong, um, the city and the state offices, like the people who work there they're going to talk to you like you're a complete idiot. Um, I remember when I was opening the salon, like I said, I knew nothing. And so I went in there and I'm like, "Uh, Hi, I'm 23 and I'm going to open a business. Uh, What do I need to do? And they basically just made me feel like I was making the worst decision I ever could because I'm just a complete and total idiot. Um, So long story short, hopefully this episode will help you in kind of avoid, I guess, that embarrassment and frustration that I had to deal with. Um... With that being said, I do have to say I am not an attorney. I am not offering you legal advice. Um, I'm not an expert in every single state um, or their laws or the things that you may need to do in your state may differ slightly. Um, But I do still think it's helpful to use this as a guideline so that you know what it is you're even looking for um, or that you're expected to do. Um, With that being said, we will continue the salon ownership topic Um, Back here in two weeks, I will be discussing different ways to structure your salon um, and how to do that correctly. So again, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back in two weeks for bringing business to beauty.